What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Excited about a team with a win. I know a lot of people have been sort of hand-wringing today, but a win is a win is a win. And when you see a column on the standings that say WL, and then maybe you see a different one that says ugly win. No, you don't. You see W and L. Did you win? Did you lose? Lost Monday, one Sunday, one and one. You do feel like you could be 2-0. You do feel like you could be 0-2. So there, this the, the cliche is this is a game of inches. That was never more true than yesterday at the end of the ball game. Justin Reed finishing the tackle on Leonard Fournette at the goal line. My goodness, what a day it was. So, what are we going to do with us all access? Well, let's kick it off with some hot reads. They're brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. And you know what? For our hot reads, you know what? let's go through what happened yesterday and news that has come out today because of those things that happened yesterday. How about we do that? So, let's rifle through the games that took place and start in Baltimore. The Baltimore Ravens get a 23-17 win over the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals make this one close. They get it to 20-17 to in the fourth quarter, but Justin Tucker's 51-yard field goal puts them ahead to stay 23-17. Lamar Jackson became the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to throw for over 250, two touchdowns, and run for over 100. He threw for 272, two touchdowns, no picks, 16 carries, 120 yards. Absolutely outstanding. Kyler Murray in this game, 25 of 40, 349 yards, but did not get the team in the end zone, and the Cardinals cannot run the ball. 11 carries for 20 yards. The Ravens go to 2-0 and beat the Arizona Cardinals. The most dominant win, I guess that, well, maybe the Patriots had that, but the 49ers went to Cincinnati to play a team that well, people thought the Bengals were going to be a pretty darn good team this year. Uh, didn't happen. 41-10. to 10, The 49ers dominant all day. Jimmy Garoppolo threw three touchdowns, threw for 297. Matt Breida ran for 121. That was one of my favorite, favorite guys coming out of the draft a few years ago, and I didn't understand why nobody's giving him any draft love. 121 yards on the ground. He averaged 10 a pop. Raheem Mostert had 83 yards. On 13 carries, he averaged over six a pop. He also had a 39-yard touchdown catch. Marquise Goodwin had a 38-yard touchdown catch. Debo Samuel had five for 87 as a wide receiver and one touchdown. My goodness, 41-10. to 10. The 49ers get it done in Cincinnati and move to 2-0. and oh, The Chargers, who we will see on Sunday, could not have screwed up the fourth quarter any worse. Late in the third quarter, Fumbled at the one-yard line. Austin Eckler going over the top. Fumbled. Lions recovered. Missed field goal on the next drive. Missed field goal on the next drive. Phil Rivers interception. That was it. Chargers lose to the Lions 13-10. to And Phil Rivers did pretty much all he could. Keenan Allen, 8 for 98. He was the go-to guy. Austin Eckler had six catches for 67 yards. He ran for 66. Big Philly style threw for 293, but it wasn't enough. The Lions do just enough to win this game. Matt Stafford throws two touchdowns, two interceptions, but it didn't matter. Lions get the win 13-10. to 
go to 1-0-1 oh, on the year. Chargers fall to 1-1. One, one. So Texans 1-1, one, one, Chargers 1-1. One, one. Somebody's going to get a much-needed win in Game 3, a game that I completely missed. The Packers were dominant. Jumped out to a 21 to nothing lead over the Minnesota Vikings and then held on to win 21 to 16. No scoring in the fourth quarter. Aaron Jones, the star for the Packers, 23 carries, 116 yards, had a touchdown. Great day for the young man out of UTEP. Dalvin Cook did it on the other side. He had a 75 yard run. So he went 20 for 154 and a touchdown. But Kirk Cousins struggles. 14 of 32 for 230 yards, sacked once, only one touchdown and two picks. The passer rating of 52.9. The Packers go to 2-0 with two NFC North division wins back-to-back. The Patriots scored 30 in the second half. 30. They had a 13-0 lead at the half and then went for 30. Tom Brady, 20 of 28. 264, two touchdowns, sacked twice, but it didn't matter. 43 points, 30 in the second half. Antonio Brown caught a touchdown, four for 56. And James White also had a touchdown. Sonny Michelle led them in rushing 21 for 85. But it's dreadful on offense for the Dolphins. Combined quarterbacks, 18 of 39, 186, seven sacks, and four interceptions. Bill Belichick beats... Another mentee, Brian Flores, down in Miami, 43 to nothing. How about the Buffalo Bills, 2-0, and and both games they won in the Meadowlands. Beat the Giants yesterday, 28-14, to had a big first half. They had a 21-7 lead at the half, tacked one on on a Frank Gore run to finish, by the way. If you haven't seen this run, Frank Gore runs right flat over a Giants linebacker in the hole. I mean, just planted him. I mean, Ryan Conley went, I mean, he got buried. Absolutely buried. Frank Gore, 19 carries, 68 yards, picked up that one-yard touchdown run. But John Brown, John Smoke Brown, seven catches for 72 yards. How about Josh Allen? Again, 19 of 30, 253 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. That's the big key. The Bills win. The state of New York battle, 28-14. to 14, They beat the Jets. They beat the Giants. Bada-bing, bada-bang. And now they get to go home. Two games on the road. How well is Sean McDermott's doing with the Buffalo Bills? The Seahawks go to Pittsburgh. Oh, boy. The news out of Pittsburgh is no bueno for Ben Roethlisberger. Still waiting on news about James Conner. Ben Roethlisberger injures his elbow. He goes out of the game. Mason Rudolph comes in, moves it. Fairly well. Didn't have a horrible day. Didn't have a great day. 12 of 19 for 112 yards. Two touchdowns. Did throw an interception. But Russell Wilson, the story. 29 of 35, 300 yards. Three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Two of them to tight end Will Disley. One to rookie DK Metcalf. Dominant performance for Russell Wilson on the day. They get to win 28 to 26 in Pittsburgh, they are 2-0 as well. One of the three NFC West teams at 2-0, the 49ers and the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Who else? We'll, we'll get to that in a second. The Colts and Titans, it wasn't the prettiest offensive game. David Quesenberry caught a touchdown pass. 
if I could put the clapping sound, I'd put it in. I love that man dearly. He is one of the best men you're ever going to meet. Caught a touchdown pass. In fact, that was the first score of the day. But Mariota struggled. 19-28 for 154 yards. A touchdown. No picks. But he didn't throw the ball down the field. Of those 28 throws, one went beyond 15 yards. One. Jacoby Brissett only threw for 146, but he threw three touchdowns, including the game winner to T.Y. Hilton. The news to come out of this is Adam Vinatieri missed a couple of field goals in this one, and he struggled to start the year. He went in today to meet with the Colts brass, and all indications were, as he left the locker room, he was going to retire. The Colts brass, Frank Reich, Chris Ballard, Jim Irsay, talked him out of it. Adam Vinatieri will be the kicker for the Colts going forward. He will kick this weekend against the Atlanta Falcons. But Darius Leonard in the concussion protocol, so something to keep an eye on as the Colts get ready to take on the high-flying Atlanta Falcons. The Cowboys, they get it done with 31 points up on the board. Dak Prescott says, pay me my money. 26-30, 269 for three touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but had a great day. Almost as many touchdowns as incompletions. But Zeke Elliott's getting rolling. 23 carries for 111 yards. They dominate this game. I guess is the right way of saying it. The Redskins stepped up front, got a 7 to nothing lead on Adrian Peterson, touchdown to start the second quarter, but then it was pretty much the Cowboys the rest of the way. Now, the news to come out of this, I guess if you want to call it as such, Taco Charlton says, get me out of here. He was inactive, the former first-rounder from Michigan, had a great game three of the preseason against the Texans. He wants out of Dallas. He wants to have an opportunity somewhere else. When he saw online that, I think it was 105.3, the fan, saying, hey, um, Taco Charlton, this is the reason why. Uh, you know, he's, not, he's been inactive. He's like, get me out of here. Get me out. So 31-21, but still drama in Dallas. But the Cowboys are 2-0 after two NFC East wins. The Patriots are, excuse me, the Chiefs are scoreless for three quarters. Three quarters. But in the second quarter, they went nuclear. 28 points. In fact, the Raiders went scoreless for three quarters. They got their 10 in the first. The Chiefs went scoreless for three quarters. Scored their 28 in the second. And that was it. No other scoring. But Patrick Mahomes, the story again. 30 of 44, 443 yards, four touchdowns. For the day, Demarcus Robinson was huge. Six catches, 172 yards, two touchdowns. Kelsey goes over 100 yards receiving. But two Chiefs running backs, LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams, both went out of this game with injuries. Keep an eye on that this week. But the Chiefs get win number two. They go to 2-0. and They've beaten Jacksonville. They've beaten Oakland. Haven't really beaten anybody. But got to beat who's on the schedule, and they definitely did that. In the wild. I mean, wild game of the day. The Bears and the Broncos in Denver. Unbelievable game. Eddie Pinheiro, the hero at the end. But how this one finished is absolutely amazing. The Bears had a 13-6 lead. The Broncos come down. They score. Vic Fangio decides to go for two. They go for two. There's a penalty. They got to back them up five. Now they're going to kick the extra point. 
But then the Bears have a penalty, so the ball moves back. Fangio decides, I'm going for two again. They get the two. They go 14-13. Mitch Trubisky gets hit on an incompletion. The refs say that Bradley Chubb roughed the passer. It's a horrible call. They move it up 15 yards. Trubisky's got nine seconds left. It's fourth and 15. He completes the pass to Allen Robinson. He gets down. They call timeout with one second left. Pinheiro, and all the, the thought of the Bears, all these problems with field goals, knocks home his second 53-yard, his second 50-plus-yard field goal today. This one wins it. Bears get a win on the road, 16-14. to Club Dub cranks it up afterwards. What a gut punch loss for the Broncos. They fall to 0-2. Bears get to 1-1. What a crazy, crazy game. The Saints taking on the Rams. This was one the Saints fans were pointing to for a very, very long time. This one went off script early because Drew Brees hurt his thumb throwing the football. He got hit at the top of his throw on his hand by Aaron Donald. Brees went over to the sideline, went to pick up a football. As he picked it up, he dropped it, recoiled in pain. He is out for six weeks. Teddy Bridgewater came into the game. He had some good moments, but not good enough. Could not move the Saints effectively. The Rams do just enough. A few drives here, a few drives there. And then the big play was the Cooper Cup winding run down the field. What a play that was to put the Rams in position for a Jared Goff finale. The Rams win 27-9. The Saints without Drew Brees for the next six weeks. Yikes. Bridgewater will step in. He will start for those six weeks. So the Saints do have a backup plan. The Rams, they have the plan right now. The Rams 2-0. They win 27-9 out in the Coliseum. And in a tremendous game on Sunday night, Battle of the Birds, Eagles-Falcons, again a game of inches. Not for Julio Jones. He runs away from everybody. He takes a tunnel screen 54 yards to give the Falcons a 24-20 win. But on the final play for the Eagles, Carson Wentz finds Zach Ertz. Ertz comes up about an inch short on fourth down. They went to replay it. The replay was upheld. You couldn't have gotten any closer. The only play that was closer than Leonard Fournette's was Ertz's play. I mean, Fournette was probably an inch. Ertz was maybe closer. But the Eagles take one on the chin as they lose to the Falcons. The Falcons now play the Colts. But the Falcons get that win 24-20. to 20. And tonight, you've got the Browns taking on the Jets. That should be a fun one. I believe that one is in the Meadowlands. Looking forward to seeing how Trevor Simeon does at quarterback for the Jets. And can the Browns bounce back? I hope they don't. I'm, I'm tired of hearing about the Browns. So tired of hearing about it. They'll win games. They'll eventually win games. But I wouldn't mind seeing them going 0-2 right out of the shoot. That would be kind of nice. Kind of quiet the noise, if you will. So, there you go. Your Hot Reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes. can save you 15% or more on car insurance. We get back. We'll have the general, John McClain, on with us on Texans All Access. Stay right where you are. Hey, Houston area teachers, I'm talking to you. I'm calling all Houston area teachers. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toro's Materials presented by Phillips. Toro's Materials is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexas.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Here's a math drill. 13 
greater than 12, right? Good. It's still a win the next day. How about that? Welcome back to Texans All Access. On this Monday evening, we're taking you right up to 7 o'clock when the NFL on Westwood One will take over Browns v. Jets on Monday Night Football. I get excited about Monday Night Football. I know the Jets are without Sam Darnold. That's kind of a bummer because you would have liked to have seen Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. But kind of opportunity to see the Browns. I'd love to see the Jets shut them up. I really would. I'd love to see Trevor Simeon throw for like 400 yards and just really show up Baker Mayfield. That would be awesome. But a man can dream. A man that always dreams is the general, John McClain. He joined us this morning. John, what about this Houston defense? I was going to say led by Merciless, but stat-wise, you could make that case with the three sacks so far, the interception, he's off to a terrific beginning to 2019. And it's the first time that Whitney's had three sacks in his first two games, and he's doing it at the right time because he's in the last year of his contract. They started talking to him before the sit back during the off season about an extension. Hopefully they'll get that worked out. But the way he keeps playing, that price keeps going up because moving back to the weak side, as he said, I can just tee it up and go and do what I do best, get after the quarterback, Force turnovers, and that's what he's done. Three sacks, two turnovers. It's hard to imagine a defensive player playing better than Merciless is right now. And then Justin Reed, of course, made what's one of the biggest stops in team history. All right, John, two questions. Number one, have you ever gifted yourself a Rolls-Royce Wraith for your birthday? And number two, were you surprised the Jags handed it to Leonard Fournette on the two-point play? Doug Marone, uh, I don't blame him for going for it. They'd scored on two drives in a row. They had the momentum. They had the defense reeling. And I'm guessing that if it had been a veteran quarterback like Nick Foles, maybe even Blake Bortles, he wouldn't have handed it to Burnett. But he had a rookie sixth-rounder making his first start at quarterback. Minshew had run the ball better than he threw it. 50, was it 56 yards on six? carry something like that yes and that's correct. so for Ned you know had, had, you know you're on the two yard line you know in the NFL if you run and can't get two yards something's wrong but they had calls for different looks he said that was the right call that hadn't been for Justin Reed being able to stop him TV had a great shot of the ball hanging down but not crossing the plane it was a great shot by uh CBS and then a great play by Justin Reed. And I'm, I think if they had it to do over there again, they might give it to him again. But uh, personally, I like the ball in the quarterback's hands. I'll guarantee you if Bill O'Brien was going for it in that situation, he would have the ball in Deshaun Watson's hands for a pass or a run. John, but what about the decision as a whole, instead of kicking the extra point and seeing what you get in overtime? I liked it. You know, you've got the momentum. You've scored two series in a row, and uh, you're on the road. I didn't have a problem with it at all. I like coaches when they they got some moxie like that going for it when they've got the momentum. Now, I'm not so sure about the play call, but I didn't have a problem with Marone doing it. They scored. Think about what a heartbreaker loss that would have been for the Texans the second in a row. Yeah, it, it would have been one of the worst I've ever felt. Oh. Not not like top five, but it would have been horrible considering, yes, they did score two consecutive possessions. And on the first possession where they get the field goal, 
Minshew threw the ball well. I think it was seven for eight or something like that on that drive, six for seven, seven for eight. And then on the next one, it was really the running plays that got them going, John. What about Minshew and what about the Jaguars moving forward? Your thoughts, and let's just shape it into a conversation on the AFC South as a whole. Well, there's a three-way tie for first because the Titans could not hold off the Colts. Jacoby Perzet threw for less than 200 yards for second week in a row, but he had three touchdown passes. He threw the winner to T.Y. Hilton, and then the Titans came back, couldn't convert on fourth and two, game over. And then the Jaguars, without Unique Ngawe, their best pass rusher, and A.J. Boyer, their second-best defensive back, they did a tremendous job on defense. And if there's funny, they you know they gave up 40 against Kansas City. That may be a testimonial to how great Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs' passing game is. But if Jacksonville keeps playing defense like that, the Jaguars are going to win some games. Titans, uh, Marcus Mariota had four sacked four times. The running game didn't work the way they wanted. They've lost now. They are just say two and 14 in their last 16 against the Colts. And Brissette picked up where Luck left off. Luck was 11-0 and against the Titans. And Brissette won that game. I thought it was a revenge game for Tennessee. Remember last game of last season in Nashville when they go to the playoffs, not the Colts. Instead, the Colts beat them up bad. They retired the jerseys of Eddie George and Steve McNair. People were pumped. And Indianapolis won. That was a very impressive victory for Brissette and the Colts. John, quarterbacks went down yesterday like flies. Drew Brees is out of the game. He's got tape on his right thumb. I like A.J. McCarron uh, practicing Green Bay earlier this month or earlier this training camp, earlier this season. Then you got Ben Roethlisberger who went down. And also in Pittsburgh, you had James Conner go down. How bad is it in Pittsburgh? And New Orleans only scored nine points once Teddy Bridgewater took over, and that impacts AFC South because only one of the three teams, presumably if Brees comes back and there's been talk he'll come back by November, if that's the case, only one of the three remaining teams will face Bridgewater, that being the Jaguars. The Jaguars would Uh, face Bridgewater. Yeah, the Colts have to go there. We wanted them to see Brees. And they will in December if that's the case. But how does that change things for those teams, John, without Brees with New Orleans and Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh? Well, just like it would any, like the Texans without Deshaun Watson. They, Great point. And it's two of the most durable quarterbacks in the league. Breeze has had that one shoulder injury that got him from San Diego to New Orleans. And, uh, and he, you know, he said after the game he was worried about it. And when a quarterback says something like that, you know it could be bad. Roethlisberger was hurt without going down. He threw the ball grabbed i couldn't tell if it was his right elbow or just above his elbow he's like a pitcher who threw a pitch and then pulled or tore something so i can't wait to see what's the prognosis on big ben because mason rudolph came in and he's not ben roethlisberger that's for sure right now one of the best backups in the league is gardner Minshew. that kid you know, he's a character. I remember watching NFL Network Saturday night and one of their people predicting the Jaguars would win. And next week, everybody in the country will be checking out Gardner Minshew. And he almost pulled it off. But And that's a good thing Texans have McCarron because McCarron has played and played well. You hope he never has to get in on a play. But 
I feel bad for the fans in in, uh, New Orleans and Pittsburgh and everybody else that's going to lose their quarterback. And that's why this game Sunday against Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers, other than a scope on his knee in 2007 when he played in the AFC championship game at New England, he's never missed any time. And, And that durability with guys like him and Eli Manning and Brady and, and Breeze until this point is just stunning. John McClain joining us. Yeah, Roethlisberger and the Steelers were supposed to host, and they still will without Roethlisberger, the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, okay. When you talk about AFC South matching up with uh, other opponents and the Texans don't play the Steelers out of the AFC North, they play the Baltimore Ravens, who, John, appear to have a pretty nice start here with 2-0 and against the Cardinals and the Dolphins, so okay. But what are the surprises to you so far? Is it the Bills? Is it the Dolphins being as bad as they are? What do you think? Well, first of all, I think you have to look at the competition. And the biggest player, who's the biggest surprise to me, is Lamar Jackson. I never thought he would develop into the kind of passer he has been so far. Usually when you're not accurate coming into the NFL, you don't get accurate. But he is he is so much more accurate than when he came to the NFL. They're doing a tremendous job of coaching him. They're doing a tremendous job of game planning for him. And they're off to the 2-0 start. Kyler Murray in his second game threw for more than 300 yards. And we assume Baltimore's got a good defense because the Ravens always do. So from the second half of Arizona's first game against Detroit through the end of that game at Baltimore, Kyler Murray has lit it up, and that's a great thing for them, of course. And uh, let's see, I think Buffalo being 2-0 New York state champions uh, and New Jersey state champions to beat the Giants and the Jets and to do it in MetLife Stadium, not, not at Ralph Wilson Stadium, is pretty impressive. John, what did you got to tell you about this Antonio Brown thing going on uh, with the NFL today? They're supposed to be meeting with his accuser. You know, you know her attorneys are going to be tearing up her story. And she's got his cousin. He was an unnamed player. Now his name has come out. Is it Marquise Brown? Is that his name? And uh, his name has come out. So they said they've been working on a settlement. He probably should have paid her, but he didn't, especially when she has those text messages. So if they put him on the exemplars, then um, he'll still get paid and he'll still be able to work out silly, but he can't practice with the team. But it seems to me if Roger Goodell wanted to avoid that headache, he already would have done it until they talked to her. So I don't expect anything to happen to him. John, officiating two things. Watts saying an official told him, I saw him hold you, but I didn't throw the flag. And what happened between the Saints and the Rams where they blow the whistle and the Saints should have, would have, could have had a touchdown. Saints would have had a touchdown and returned by Cameron Jordan. Walt Anderson blew it. And the others were rookie officials. Officials, officiating was terrible in Denver. It helped Chicago come back from the Broncos. Those were both calls on roughing the passer, I believe. Peter King is his league on football in America, or whatever he calls it. It breaks that down, and it's very interesting. The bottom line, no matter what the rules are, there's always going to be controversy, and everybody now thinks the pass interference rule is one and done. You know, Doug Marone challenged a non-call, and it was put in for egregious errors. Even if it had been interference, it wouldn't have been an egregious error. 
but a lot of it's left to the interpretation of the officials. But it's not going to change. You know, you just hope it doesn't happen to your team, but it's inevitable. And as, and as far as what Watts said, my question is, well, when he said he didn't throw it, you said, and why not? What did he say? That's what I want to know. What did he say when he said, I, did, I know you got held, but I didn't throw the flag? I know that can happen sometimes in games, but it shouldn't. If you saw a hole, throw the flag. And likewise, if you see a block in the back, don't let the other refs talk you out of it. You saw a block in the back, defend the block in the back. And I'm pointing towards the block in the back of Dylan Cole on the punt return before the final drive for the Jags. Dylan got hit right in the back. And the guy who threw the the flag got talked out of it. Don't let that happen. But we have this early on in the year, officiating crews trying to get where they need to get. And, it's a, we'll get there, hopefully. Hopefully we'll get there. But officiating is always going to be at the forefront of everybody's brain. Everybody thinks the officials are terrible, and they're really not. They, re- they really aren't. But they miss things? Sure, just like players do. Everybody makes mistakes. Done. The next guy, he makes very few mistakes, if any. That's our buddy Andre Ware. He's coming up next on Texans All Access. When the Texans win, you win at Mattress Firm the official mattress retailer of the Houston Texans, you get 40% off your Texans mattress for two days following a win. Today, tomorrow, you got two days. So make sure you get that done. Our good friends at Mattress Firm. All right, let's get back to it. Texans All Access. Last segment of the show before we turn it over to Browns. Jets, it's time for our buddy Andre Ware. And we first discussed what happened with Jalen Ramsey during the game. Jalen Ramsey watches DeAndre Hopkins every play, so all of a sudden Hopkins is out of the game for a play, and Ramsey, Ramsey doesn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's shadowing the entire game. And, I mean, yeah, hats off to Jalen Ramsey because not a lot of guys are going to sign up for that that type of assignment uh, for 60 minutes. And I mean, the, the entire time he was on the field, he was press coverage in Hop's face. So Hop checks out to get a blow and you can see Jalen Ramsey just kind of looking around like, what do I do? You know, who do I go to? Which side do I go to? And it was kind of caught in the middle of, on the, on a play or two, but uh, it, it was, that was a fun matchup to watch all afternoon. Dre, to that point, do you remember, because I know people, people say these guys that played the game will say, Oh, that happened a lot with coaches and players getting into it on the sidelines. Do you remember moments like that in your playing career? Not not you per se, but maybe a teammate or so getting into it with a coach on the sideline the way that Doug Marone and Jalen Ramsey got into it yesterday? <laughs> yeah, and I laugh because I have got I have had an exchange like that, not directly with a coach, but uh, got pulled in a six three game at the half down in Tampa Bay, and uh, Eric Kramer goes in the game and throws a pick six. And, you know, we had the ball coming out of the locker room. In my mind, we had just gotten some momentum before the half. We're going to get things going. And then he tells me Kramer's going. He throws the pick six. I turned the whole Gatorade table over. So, you know, you, 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 there, there's emotions that are flying uh, during a game. And it's nothing personal. You just feel like, you know, you can contribute or uh, there's a heated moment. And you're talking football and, and, and those things happen. Yeah, I mean, at least you didn't turn the table over if he threw, like, three touchdown passes. I mean, yeah. it's a team no, thing, no. right? It was, it was exactly. It was a pick six, and I, I just let the Gatorade fly at that point. 
<laughs> let the Gatorade fly. That's the that's the title of your autobiography. No, just kidding. Uh, so, Dre, yesterday, what do we make of this? It's 13-12. It's a win, and that's the most important thing at the end of the day. But clearly there's some things they have to and want to get better at. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. you know, you, you, uh, you could start with the offensive line in terms of just continuity and you know, I was saying it all the way back in the off season or around the draft. That's that's the most important position group on a team because they have to be on the same page. And to ask a group to go into the regular season or start the regular season and just be firing on all cylinders, I think fan expectations are are a little high when you when you ask of that. It's going to take some time for this group to gel. Matter of fact, it's been a different offensive line for the second week. Uh, in a row because of, you know, health issues, so on and so forth. But that's where I would start. And then, you know, you just you, – you've got to get, uh, I think, four sacks. Yesterday was uh, was a eye-opening in terms of what you need to do to be a dominant defense and be in the top ten defensively uh, this year and going forward. So they're, they're getting the pressure necessary. They at least got it yesterday on Garner Minshew. Dre, Roger Johnson starts at right tackle as you talk about the offensive line, and he's a guy that we saw in the preseason. I He's one of the guys you could, I think, say earned a job with the way that he played throughout training camp and in the preseason. If he gets settled over at that right tackle job and Titus gets settled at left guard and they can go with this offensive line, are you seeing things from the offensive line that give you hope that this group can turn into a obviously a much better group than last year but get to a point where the Texans really need that offensive line to get do you see that potential with this group yeah the potential certainly there they just got to get on the same page and it's you know Titus working al- alongside Laramie Tunsil it's Roger getting comfortable on the right side because he's been a left tackle pretty much where you know that's the finesse side and now you got to go over and become more of a, a run blocker so to speak. But I was encouraged yesterday with the way they ran the football. Matter of fact, the first two weeks of the season, if I had a game ball, the game ball would go to Carlos Hyde and the way he's mm-hmm. played and, and being here a very short period of time, running behind a makeshift offensive line, so to speak, and then having the type of production that he's having. So you see why he's kind of known for uh, – he has a reputation of his with his running style of being a just a bruising back that's not afraid of contact. Um he, he certainly would get my game ball, no doubt about it. Andre, what about facing Phillip Rivers and the Chargers out in L.A.? It's funny how this league is because we didn't expect maybe, at least I didn't, the Chargers to lose to the Detroit Lions, and they did. But this is still a very good football team. I mean, that's a 13-10 score, so they didn't score too many points yesterday. But no one can take this Charger team lightly with the weapons they have and the quarterback they have. Yeah, there's plenty around him, and if, if there's anybody in the league, I don't know that there's a more, you know, competitive individual, certainly at quarterback, that's willing to take on linebackers. He, he, I'd, I'd imagine if Phillip, Phillip's on the field and a fight broke out, he'd be right in the middle of it and wouldn't be shying away from it. Uh, that's the kind of competitor he is. So you're going into his building, and, uh, and after a loss, they're looking to right the ship. There's plenty enough around him. they got enough on defense that – that kind of causes you some concern. It'll be a tough road trip. I think each and every game, with with the exception of a couple, unless you get Miami every week, uh, you're gonna, there, there are some some teams that that uh, you're concerned about, and certainly one with a an all pro 
a pro bowler and a guy that plays at a high level each and every every year at quarterback, and that's Philip Rivers. Andre, Gardner Minshew, what do you think moving forward? What did you think of his performance? I know a number of the defensive players were pretty impressed with what he was able to do, particularly late. I'm, you know, you never say that you're happy someone was hurt, but maybe I'll, I'll I'll say it out of the game. The Cam Robinsons, his left tackle, and they're they're they are really uh, in makeshift mode up front, and he was still able to uh, to to put on that type of performance. He's done it two weeks in a row. I like him. Uh, as I mentioned in the in the pregame, I got a chance to meet him and spend some time with him in Dallas at an All Star Challenge, and uh, he's just laid back. Nothing really bothers him. He loves to have fun. Uh, he doesn't take life too serious. And I think it, it carries over on the field where uh, guys around him really believe in him. If he gets a little more time yesterday, uh, who knows what happens. And that's a scary thought for the young quarterback. I think Jacksonville's got something in him. Uh, who knows how it plays out when Foles comes back, whether it's this year or next year. But he will be in the mix, and I got to feel like if he keeps playing like this or like he's played the last two weeks that he will get an opportunity to earn the starting job there. Throws a beautiful ball, uh, plays with poise and confidence, and has total command of what they do offensively. Dre, the Colts beat the Titans yesterday, had to have a T.Y. Hilton touchdown catch, won that game 19-17. And Mark and I were talking about it earlier. The Colts own the Titans. Why does that happen? Did you ever have a situation when you were playing where your team just owned another team? Like, no matter what, didn't matter what the mm-hmm. records were, you just absolutely dominated that team or beat that team, no matter what the talent level was on each side. Why does that seem to happen for teams, especially in the NFL, that the Colts would own the Titans the way they do? Well, I think, uh, yes, to answer your question, I've had that both um, in the, on the college level and in, uh, in the NFL, but I think it's so much that you hear about that, you know, another team owning you or the big streak so much during the week that you actually go out and you're a little bit tight and you're trying to do too much to, to do things early. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a ball game and it's a tough, hard-fought game and so on and so forth. It, it becomes – you put that team that's losing year in and year out puts the pressure on themselves. And so they can't play loose and free mistakes are made and then you wind up losing another one and it's oh on the next year or later in the season in this case when you get the the titans will get the colts again because of divisional game of a divisional game so uh it, i think it's that and that only it's not uh coaches coaches change players change uh the front office changes it's just that you hear about it so much in today's uh today's game that uh, that, that extra pressure is put on the team that's losing you know, in this conversation, I realized, guys, with Minshew's performance, does the AFC South have the best backup quarterbacks of any division? Not that that's something you want to sort of throw a parade for, but when you look at Minshew, when you look at Brissett now starting for the Colts, when you look at Tannehill at Tennessee, and then you look at A.J. McCarron here, Tannehill led a team to the playoffs. I know he didn't start that game for the Dolphins. It was Matt Moore, I believe, right, in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Uh, you look at A.J. McCarron, who started a playoff game. Minshew playing well so far as a rookie. I mean, that's not too bad when you look at all things considered. Yeah, that's a pr- yeah I would I would say. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh had a pretty good one with Josh Dobbs. I mean, Mason Rudolph had to come in the game yesterday. We don't really know. We have Teddy Bridgewater down in New Orleans, but we're about to find out. So they trade Josh Dobbs, 
and now they need him. And now they need him. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel if you're Josh Dobbs, like you were that close to potentially being the guy in Pittsburgh, and then it goes to Mason Rudolph. Dre, what about Lamar Jackson? He's looking so good oh. early. I know the competition hasn't exactly been Super Bowl caliber, but, hey, this is the NFL, and he's getting the job done in a big way in the passing game. Yeah, real close with Lamar and his family and got a chance to know him and, and uh and I keep in touch regularly. He uh he is he's surprised even me and I and I thought coming out that honestly if you liked because of all the negative stuff, you got the Bill Polians of the world and you got uh the Todd McShane's of the world saying this guy's would make a great receiver, they're gonna move him to receiver. So these experts so to speak. And I'm like, if you like Deshaun Watson if you love Deshaun Watson, why wouldn't you love or like Lamar Jackson in the same manner? And I think he's proven it to people. What is it, seven touchdowns in the last two weeks that he's thrown? Uh, yesterday got unleashed for a career high, 120 yards on the ground. And he broke one off yesterday that he looked like the fastest guy on the field on offense and defense. And uh, he's just a freak. And I knew that he could throw the football. He went to work on it before the draft. Uh, Baltimore was smart enough to trade back up into the first round and then even smarter to hand him the keys to the car to drive. And uh, with one season under his belt of playing experience, he's, uh, he's starting to show why, uh, I, certainly why I thought he was a special player. Yeah, did y'all see Taven Bryan yesterday? Yeah, a, dude, Taven Bryan for the Jaguars. Yeah. You, you remember him playing yesterday? I mean, it didn't, I don't. he didn't. Yeah, yeah, you don't, do you? Could you imagine if the Jaguars had taken Lamar Jackson instead of Taven Bryan? I mean, we sat next to each other, and as oh, soon that's as right. Taven Bryan's name oh, was called, yeah. wow. me and Dre are like, you know, high five. That's right. That's right. Like, Lamar Jackson's not a Jaguar. We do not have to face Thank him twice a year. Goodness. That's oh, why I asked about yeah. Taven Bryan because that guy, whenever you see him, you're going to be like, that guy could have been Lamar He's Jackson. He's not starting. He's he not doesn't, starting he doesn't for them. do anything for him. He doesn't start. He backs up and does nothing. Oh, wow. Dre, what do you yeah, have on ESPN? The, oh. the thing about it, if Lamar were drafted in, in Jacksonville, I think he'd be put in the box. And, you know, you don't allow a guy to just be himself. And, and I think that's what John Harbaugh's mm-hmm. done in Baltimore. It's just kind of allowed Lamar to be Lamar, giving him some stuff that he's, he's done in college and then easing him into the pro game. And uh, it's paying dividends for Baltimore. They're dangerous. They are dangerous, and the Texans will see them later in the Inner Harbor. All right, Dre, what do you have on ESPN this week? I have a trip to uh, Virginia, who just beat Florida State, and ODU, who is off this week, who actually looked pretty good on film. So it should be an interesting matchup, but Virginia should control things at home. Then I got a long flight uh, oh from gosh. east to west to get to, uh, to L.A. in time to uh, – to, to, to uh, call a game alongside you guys. So be a, a, long, a lot of traveling this week for me. But I'll be so there. we'll see I'll around kickoff. We'll yeah, see. No, I'll, be fr- I'll be fresh and ready. I'll, I'll sleep the whole flight there. I'll get an hour or two when I land and then uh, be mm-hmm. ready to go. I don't know how Dre does it. I can't sleep on a plane at all. But that man travels a bunch over the weekend, and he gets it done. No question about that. So big thanks to Dre, to the General John McClain, to Mark Vandermeer, to all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.